Okay, uh, welcome to the afternoon session. Without further ado, this is Kieran Fagan. He's the treasurer of the Dublin Freelance Branch, among other things, which he may enlighten you on, depending on the mood he's in. And he's going to chair this session. Uh, in about an hour's time after this and before the last session, I'll arrange for some tea as well, because I know that people start to droop halfway through the afternoon. So, so there will be refreshments after this too. Kieran, I'll leave you to it. Right, thank you. Well, I'm Kieran Fagan, and um, this this session is called the Multitasking Freelance. But actually, I think a better title might have been the Multi-Talented Freelance. <laughs> the, the, you have two speakers here who have a range, a diverse range of talents acquired throughout diverse um, careers in journalism. And um, the best thing for me is to let them get on with it. So the first off is Claire Grady, who is um, a freelance again, uh, having worked in journalism and uh, having the distinction, I think, of being the first female and editor of both the Evening Herald and the Irish Independent. And that's quite an achievement. I worked in Abbey Street and it it didn't give the men there didn't give grounds to the women willingly. That's all I'd say. But, but Claire won through. Thank you. Thanks very much, Kieran. Do I speak from here or here? It's up to you. Does, do you mind if I just stand here? Great. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I was a little bit surprised when Kieran contacted me last summer. Remember, this conference was supposed to be in the autumn, and Ophelia got away. And he asked me to speak on the whole concept of being a freelance journalist. And I thought, well, what do I know about that? Um, but I'm actually relatively well equipped. I was a freelance journalist um, way back in the 1980s, and then roll on 30 years, and I find myself in that position again. Um, I can only speak from personal experience. You've heard this morning people giving you very specific, you know, it sounds like very good tools to use in your in your craft, but you're getting information and pitching it to editors. I'm going to take a slightly more strategic look about uh, what I think it is to be a freelance journalist today and what we can do to equip ourselves to stay relevant in this very fast changing world. As I said, what I can do with you is maybe share some of my own reflections and observations of what has changed in the years since I was a freelance journalist before and find myself now. What has changed and what actually is the same? What are the core things that we need to make ourselves continue to be relevant? As I say, in the 1980s, I was a freelance, uh, new, and it's mostly in the news section I've worked, I was a freelance news reporter. And um, the Holy Grail, I started freelancing for the Evening Herald, the Irish Independent. The Holy Grail at that stage was to get a job. But the second, the pre-Holy Grail, Holy Grail was to get shifts in the newsroom. So at the time, shifts were paid at £80 a day and the staff rate for working a full week was £30 a day. So you actually earned more freelancing than you did as a staff person. That has changed quite considerably. But at the time, what um, employers were paying for in a freelance was they wanted flexibility, obviously. They wanted somebody who was going to be able to go to work at the drop of a hat. And that is still the same to this day. That's why they like freelancers to a certain extent. But the other main thing that they um, paid for was competence. And that was a range of competences people had. When I was brought in to do shifts in the independent, 
as a news reporter, I was expected to be able to cover courts. They could send me to a crime scene. They could get me to do an interview with a celebrity. They could get me to cover the doll. And there was a whole range of things that you were expected to be able to do. That sounds quite challenging. And when, when you were talking now about multitasking and multi-skilled journalists, the core competencies, I would suggest, remain the same. You still have to be able to get information from people. You still have to be equipped to do all those things, mundane though they may sound. They are still the bread and butter of a lot of publications. So roll on then. Um, staffed, I uh, got a staff job in 1987, but I did have massive contact with freelance people as a co-worker for years and then as a commissioning editor. And so I was conscious of, you know, what, I mean, what was going on in the freelance world. And there were three major areas, apart from technological change, that I think when I emerged into the freelance market again in you know, I mean, the, the second decade of the 21st century, three massive changes had happened that impacted enormously on what it was to be a freelance journalist. The first I would call the celebrification of journalism. It's, it, it's almost... It's almost invisible now the extent to which so many, so much print content in newspapers, websites and magazines and to a lesser extent in broadcast is by people who were never trained as journalists, who didn't set out in life to be journalists. They were they're, you know, experts, they're celebrities. And when I say experts, they could be politicians, ex-politicians, writing regular columns, sports people. Obviously, a lot of those go into journalism and commentary. Um, and celebrities get columns because they're seen on TV and they're seen as a good market. So uh, you know, as, as a good sort of a, a point of attraction for a newspaper or a magazine. That is an enormous change in the space of 30 years. Um, it was always the case that uh, you know, well-known people might you know, I mean, give their you know, spout forwards and giving their opinions on the, the news of the day. But a, a thing you never see now, which was very common, Kieran, you will agree with this, you know, I mean, up to, I would say, 20 years ago, was that you might have a first-person piece, but it would be done in interview with a journalist. Now, of course, technology has facilitated the celebs or whoever it is writing their own thing, emailing it in, and that's sorted. It's cut out the middleman of the journalist. So that is the first massive thing that is, is content now comes from people um, who are not journalists in the way we would understand journalists and have never been trained as that. They're an expert in something else, but that's the way it is. The second big area is in the financing of the traditional journalist sector. I mean, newspapers and broadcasting, as we know, have undergone a massive sort of shrinkage in the, the, the money that's available to them. And the consequence of that is that the very first people that were hit by that sort of contraction in spending were freelancers. I remember when I was commissioning in 2008, when the um, I was commissioning for the Herald at the time, you know, columnists and analysts and people like that, when the, 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 the crash happened, um, it was overnight. Uh, fees for all sorts of stories and all sorts of pieces were cut by about 20 to 30 percent and in some cases cut entirely. So that was part of it was always a kind of a, a tenuous road being a freelance person. But then it became really kind of it became very difficult to make a living. And the third big change that happened was it was actually external to the whole journalism business it, it, it was throughout the economy, but it was changes in employment practices. 
I mean, there was a time when um, newspapers and you know broadcasters could keep freelancers on and keep them for years and making a nice living. And then the laws changed so that if you're working for an organisation for a certain amount of time, they had to staff you. That has had good and bad effects. It was very good for, at the time for the people who were freelancing and wanted the security of a staff job. But it had a big downside, which wasn't to become apparent till years later, and that was the opportunity for people to go into newsrooms, to go into features departments and learn their craft in the actual environment was curtailed to a large extent because legally the employers were going to have to give people staff jobs in a short period of time and that actually has worked, I think, against. I mean, you have internships now, but internships... As, as, as a lot of people here will know, um, they're poorly paid in a lot of cases and they, for most of the time, they don't actually lead to jobs. It's a good training. But with all that in mind and the changes that have taken place, it becomes quite difficult. It has became difficult for me when I started thinking about this. Well, what is it that makes a journalist? Is it somebody who has a newspaper column? Is it somebody that writes for, you know what I mean, or, or kind of goes on radio and does all of this sort of thing? And I would suggest that there are still core capabilities and competencies that distinguish the professional journalist. I, I never like to use the word professional. I always thought of it as a craft or a trade. And the three core competencies, I would say, that remain to this particular day are, first of all, the ability to get information from sources, either willing or unwilling sources, um, and sometimes they're passive sources. I believe Ken Fox spoke this morning about the use of FOI. And no matter what form of journalism you're in, whether it's um, sport, whether it's news, whether it's features, and there's a lot of blurring of the lines these days, that is a very core competence. You have to be able to get the information, the facts, the picture, the story from somebody who is willing or unwilling to give it to you. The second major thing is making sense of that information. And you, when you see a lot of stuff that is now on social media and people giving their accounts or opinions and throwing a lot of facts and figures and you can have links to every sort of website you like, but a journalist's role has always been, there's always been a lot of information out there, but it's making sense of it, interrogating it, knowing what's relevant, what's not relevant. So you're making sense of a huge amount of information. And thirdly is presenting that information in a way that is accessible and comprehensible to the people you're presenting it for. Um, as I say, there's a, you know, like every government uh, department, for example, have websites now with links to all sorts of things. It's the journalist's job to get the information from that and to present those sorts of things in a way that is comprehensible and accessible to the people you're presenting it to. So given all these things that have changed and the, 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 the things that have remained the same, when I started thinking about what I was doing, I left The Independent in late 2014. And you know, obviously, because I've been in this business for long, we have a discussions amongst ourselves, amongst journalists, among other people, about what it is that it is to be a journalist, what can you do with the skills you have. And there's two things that I would suggest. It, it happened to me late in life, but I would think it's a useful thing for any freelance to do. There's two audits, I think, that I would advise anybody to do from time to time, especially when you're in a very fast-changing environment. And the first audit, I would say, that um, any freelance should do is check to see who your customers are or who your customers, what customers you want to have. And by customers, I'm not talking about who your readers or listeners are. I'm talking about 
who is going to pay you to do the material? Because that's how you distinguish somebody who's a blogger online and their readers are whoever their readers are. Who's actually paying them? I mean, who is actually going to pay you for the piece you write? And it's much broader than it was in my day starting off. There's now people who will pay for content, who will pay for information that journalists are capable of delivering that aren't the traditional media that we, we sort of grew up knowing in the 80s and 90s. And the second thing I'd suggest people audit is their actual skill set and knowledge. <coughs> I didn't do this in any methodical way over the last couple of years, but I, when I thought about it, this is exactly what I did, and I fumbled my way through it. But th this was my experience of what I did when I was auditing this. When I left The Independent, I was in a position not to need to work for the first while. So I started doing uh, voluntary work, which I hadn't done for ages. And I, you know, I put myself out there, did some work for various organisations, charitable organisations mostly. And uh, one of the things I did was I had did a minor part of work, piece of work for the Yes Equality campaign in 2015. And you know, somebody I knew who was involved and they needed somebody to interview people and to place articles in newspapers, you know, people who want to write first person pieces and who might have been persuasive in the campaign. So actually, I find I really enjoyed doing that. It was I found it quite an easy thing to do. And that led on directly a few months later to paid work. There was another organization who got to know me through the work in the Yes Equality and they needed um, again, it was a charitable organization. They needed interviews with clients to be done and written up and it was very good money and it was something that I had never thought about doing as a journalist before. Mm. I had heard a PR mm. company, I thought the work was worth 200 euro a go, a PR company had been doing it before me and they were charging 800 euro a go for like it wasn't, I mean to me, to somebody like me it would be like six hours of work. I eventually did it for some roughly halfway between the two. So that was the first audit I did on kind of God, this is this, these are sort of these are opportunities out there for doing journalistic work, but not in the conventional sense. And the second thing that happened to me is um, when I had so much free time on my hands, a lot of uh, friends of mine and family members were asking me to look over reports they were doing for their organisations, you know, whatever organisations they worked for or for things they were involved in, parents' councils, you know, what I mean, like writing up reports. And some of them were really complex reports. And I was thinking, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I mean, this is not, I'm not an expert in whatever housing or whatever the, the things I was at, being asked to do. But when I looked at them, I realised that's what I've been doing all my, all my journalistic life is looking at other people's information and adapting it and changing it to make it comprehensible and understandable and accurate. So I started doing that and lo and behold, it then came to pass that other opportunities to put those journalists journalistic skills to work came my way and I'm currently um, for six months last year I was doing some work for the Garda Ombudsman and it's very similar type work report writing and communications and I'm back working with them again this year my point is that there are you have as a journalist a lot of different skills and you, when you're focused on you know working towards a traditional news organization or you know, news organizations or broadcasters or whether it's radio, television, websites, or newspapers, you're focused on, you're, you know what I mean, you're, you're communicating with whatever the commissioning editor all the time, but there are other people out there in the market now who are in the market for your skills. Now, there's, the, 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 there are issues around how compatible is that sort of work with the work you might be doing for the traditional news organizations, but there are sort of decisions you have to make for yourself. I'm suggesting that, 
you should assess what your skills are, assess who out there you know, has, a, has a demand or a market for those skills, and then figure out for yourself how compatible they both are. The, the whole journalism business, as you know, is undergoing, I mean, it's, it's been, I'd say, the most disrupted sector in the last 10 or 15 years. I do think the traditional skills, which I've mentioned here, will come back into vogue and will be important. I, I believe they've always been important, but I do think there will be an, a re-ignition of interest in them. So I think that while one is waiting for that to happen, one should also leave oneself open to other opportunities in the business, whether you're a photographer, a writer, you're starting off, whatever it is you do, don't narrow your focus down as a journalist to the traditional opportunities for, for, for practicing your craft. Um, in conclusion, I would just say this, that I think the, the whole business of what it is to be a journalist is being reimagined, to use that dreadful word, and it has been, I'd say, over the last 10 or 15 years, and it will be over the next 10 years or so. I think there will be more of a return to you know, stories still need to be done, things still need to be found out. People will get bored to a certain extent with celebrification of newspapers, magazines and radio stations. And there will be, I think, a continuing place for people who know how to get information, who know how to interrogate that information and who know how to present that information. That's what I have to say. Thank you, Claire. That, that was very interesting. I, I just draw your attention to something that stood out for me in that, that how when Claire did some voluntary work, it led on to other things. And I think that's, that's key. Uh, at a previous um, forum like this, a few, a few forums back, I remember somebody, a student in the audience, asking a PR executive if it was a good idea to become um, an unpaid um, PR for a local GA club and the PR executive said no and I was shouting yes silently because I, I think that was completely wrong and, um, so thank you for that that belated correction of something you <laughs> said. 